The Start. On Demand. On Demand. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us on this Friday morning as we head into the May long weekend. And normally that would be an exciting thing, the May long weekend. But right now, guys, I, I don't know about you, but I just I have no idea what I should be feeling, what I want to be feeling this morning. I don't know if I should be angry. And if I'm angry, who am I angry with? Am I angry with the province? Am I angry with the scoff laws, the people who have been gathering and having potlucks? Uh, should I be sad, frustrated? I'm trying, I've been trying to stay positive, but (laughs) I just don't know what, what to be positive about. That's the very real place we're at right now, man. Like, I don't know what to, you know, you, we exchanged texts, all of us last night and yesterday about how we were feeling. And I'm at a loss as to how to respond to you because I'm at a loss to tell you how I'm feeling right now either, you know, and, and you're trying to say, okay, it's still okay. Like, perspective is so important right now but it's hard to do that when you're when you look forward to the little things like a long weekend like maybe a golf game Brett with your friends or like you know maybe seeing someone you know at a park or just all those little things they matter and so this morning like you know I think there's just a lot of people who are waking up not sure how to feel not sure what to think and all those emotions make sense to me Greg. Yeah, and a dread is sort of a word that I mentioned in a text in the last half hour, but at the same time, the long weekend is here. I think many of us could use a, a break. And once again, for anyone who's not getting a break this weekend, thank you. We salute you. We appreciate the odd hours that you work, the extended shifts, the the frontline workers who are not going to get a break for any time in the distant future. We thank you. The appreciation is really indescribable but at the same time you know there's a hockey game tonight there are three hockey games over the course of the next four games I'm going to be looking forward to those I'm looking forward to just kind of hunkering down I'm kind of glad that the weather is dreary and damp we need the rain so that's good Uh, it might keep some people home some people who might otherwise try and find ways around the new restrictions might keep them home might just plain and simply have us take a deep breath and 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 collect ourselves because what we've heard over the last 48 hours is, is nothing short of overwhelming. We, about 24 hours ago, just a little bit less, got told that the Premier was holding this news conference, right? And so every time we get those news alerts, everybody, I think it's fair to say everyone goes, okay, right? What's coming? Everyone. I, I said at my husband was leaving with the kids and I said, Hey, just so you know, the premier's talking 11. Oh, what do you think it's going to be? And I said, I don't know. And I had exchanged some emails with the premier's office and they said it was really more of an update. And then an hour later, they are telling me that it's, it might contain a bit more, you know, um, but nothing, nothing's off the table. And then also at 11 o'clock, he said this. There are some measures that Dr. Rusin is, uh, uh, they are now ironing out the details of, and he'll be sharing uh, with Manitobans uh, in in the not-too-distant future. And they're important measures uh, so that we can give each other our freedoms back. And I feel, you know, he came out to talk about how people needed to get the vaccine, that they needed to get two doses, that we needed to move forward, and all those were good points to be made. But then when he dropped that, guys, I think it's fair to say all of Manitoba for the next five hours 
was sort of in a tizzy. Is tizzy the right word? Like just in a, well, what's coming? What's it going to be? How strict is it going to be? There was a lot of talk about staying at home and stay at home orders. Would we follow the path of Ontario or maybe BC that's had some interprovincial travel restrictions? Would campgrounds be impacted? What about long weekend plans? It was like, <gasps> what's going on? And then of course the big question, our ICUs, they're just, they're, they're bursting. What more might be coming for them? So there was all these questions and then they held this four o'clock news conference. And I think we were about six minutes in. And I turned to my husband and I said, is this it? It's going to be, and don't get me wrong, I understand it's hard for people on a May long weekend to hear no socializing period with anyone outside your household. I get that. But I personally thought a lot more was going to be coming. I think uh, some people were uttering the word curfew. We saw that in Quebec. And if you compare Quebec's numbers to Ontario's numbers in the third wave, it would be difficult to not suggest that the curfew had some impact on that, especially when you hear from officials here in Manitoba, so many young people people being affected uh, dramatically by these variants of concern and by COVID overall. But guys, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. It just feels like there's a lack of a willingness to acknowledge or admit that this is exactly what was predicted over the last several weeks it, it still felt you know in Jeff Braun's news I heard health minister Heather Stephenson oh it's moving it's changing minute to minute hour by hour yes I understand that in the in the in the heat of the battle but this is exactly what so many qualified professionals so many experts said was coming mm-hmm. and it feels like everything we've done so far is reactive versus proactive. I just don't understand. I don't know how you they can't answer a question about what the actual plan is. What is the literal potential ICU capacity? Like this whole pandemic has all been about analyzing numbers and statistics and trends. And that, that seems like the ultimate number that we should know. And have we just simply got to that threshold based on the fact we're moving patients out of Manitoba. I just feel like the answers are are not as clear cut as they ought to be at this point. And another thing too that uh, that I I learned yesterday was a lot of people are frustrated with the the lack of enforcement. Uh, that's our, as it relates to our question of the day at cjob.com which is brought to you by the way by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. So the question that went up yesterday afternoon, if you saw your neighbor breaking COVID restrictions, what would you do? 62% said, I'd probably look the other way. 28% said, I'd let them off the hook once, but if they repeat offend, I'm turning them in. And 10% said, I'd be on the phone with 311 in minutes. And I know somebody who says uh, her neighbor's been breaking the rules for weeks now, and she's tried to call the rat squad twice and has gotten absolutely nowhere. And I have had other friends say they've got neighbors who are having backyard fires. It just sounds like there are a lot of people out there who have just given up on following the order and uh, the enforcement doesn't seem to be discouraging anybody, Loren. Yeah, and then it leads to the question about what do we do about that? And is, is enforcement the answer? You know, we have all these rules and laws in our life and you posed a really good question to our group, Brett, yesterday. Do we obey the rules because we agree it's for our own good and for our safety? Or are there people who obey the rules because they don't want to get caught? And is that where we're at? If you hand out those fines and people get caught, then they stop misbehaving. 
Yeah. You know, if I'm texting and driving, am I not texting and driving because I agree it's very dangerous to take my eyes off the road? Or is it because I don't want the $400 ticket in the demerits? What's stopping me? And is that where we're at asking that very real question to people? Is what's stopping you the concern for your safety around COVID or your friend's safety around COVID? Or do we at the point where you're worried about getting caught, we ramp up enforcement, and that's what's going to do it? Habs. Leafs, Leafs lost. That, that that's good for you, right, Loren? Yeah, I mean, I don't like that team at all. My one son does like that team, and so yes, that was good news for me. But boy, what happened in that game last night? Uh, I actually wasn't watching. I was in another room, and and my husband said, "You have to come see this." And oh my goodness, um, the hit on Jonathan Tavares just was first of all sickening, but so was what followed Grave. So first of all, Jonathan Tavares uh, is hit uh, and then goes down. And then a millisecond later, I want to say, Corey Perry, you know, can't get out of the way and his knee goes into Jonathan Tavares's head as he tries to get up off the ground. And that's when Tavares, the least player, falls again and can't get back up, right? A sickening knee crunch to the head where you accidental uh, in the moment of the play and he's down on the ice for... Easily 10 minutes, I would say, before a stretcher comes. He tries a couple times to get back up. It had all sorts of people wondering about head and neck and spine injuries, all sorts of things going on. He finally gets up off the ice his, by stretcher, not walking, gives a thumbs up sort of to his teammates as they slap their sticks on the ice as he goes by. Corey Perry, the Habs player, goes over, tries to say, say something or just taps him on the knee, goes back to his bench. Game resumes. First minute, the puck drop. What happens, Greg? Well, Nick Felino, newly acquired from Columbus Blue Jackets, challenges Corey Perry to a fight. Says, uh, hey, you've got to answer to this. Now, Corey Perry has a reputation as a dirty player. There are there find me a Jets fan that has any appreciation for Corey Perry, and I'd like to have a little chat with them. Uh, very rare that people weren't looking at this. Oh, it's Corey Perry, but it's clear, at least based on what we can tell that Corey Perry could not get out of the way. It was incidental contact. But the quote-unquote code of the National Hockey League amongst players is that now Corey Perry has to fight. Right. And even the staunchest uh, purveyors, supporters of fighting in hockey, not all of them, but a great deal of them on social media last night were, I like fighting in hockey. There is a code in hockey, but it was uncalled for in that circumstance. So... You know, on a night when there were some exciting games going on, there was an upset. The game-winning goal for Montreal last night was an absolute beauty. Once again, hockey has to deal with this shadow cast upon it by the way players uh, treat one another on the ice and decide how to square things up in terms of of incidents on the ice. And it's unfortunate because <clears throat> hockey's such a great game, but we continue to, to keep this as part of the Ugh. game. Since we can't have garage sales, we can't have curbside giveaway weekends. What are you doing to get rid of your old junk? That's what we're going to be talking about today. A lot through the day on CJOB. And in our next segment, we want your stories on garage sales and curbside giveaway weekend. You can text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $20 gift card. Santa Lucia pizza. In the meantime, there will be no getting together outdoors with anyone from outside your household this May long weekend. 
That's the major takeaway from the latest restrictions that go into effect at midnight. But will you abide? This text from a lister just now saying this, speaking with friends, every one of them think their violation of rules is okay. Even my 90-year-old mom seems to justify her breaking the rules. And Loren, you gave me an opportunity here to sort of react to that. I don't know if I could say it any better. Mm -hmm. It feels as though it's not my rule-breaking or interpretation of the rules that is causing this. It's everybody else's. Yeah, that's how we got here. So we know indoor gatherings have been banned for quite some time. You weren't supposed to have anyone in your house or in your yard even for the past couple of weeks. But they did allow for that five, that maximum of five, maybe in a public space, a park or on the golf course or what have you. And they've now taken that away. And that would, I would imagine in part because there was just too too many people saying, well, it's only six of us or it's only eight or it's my household plus two, and, you know, and there's all that kind of gray going on. And so... They've taken it away. No getting together. No getting together, period. Indoors, outdoors, public space, private space. Manitoba is banning all social gatherings between members of different households, including in areas like parks and golf courses. There are some exceptions for people who live alone, including in this new rule about shopping. So they want only one member of a household to go into a business, again, with exceptions for single parents or people who require a caregiver. This change, this tweak, so to speak, was made hours after we learned Manitoba had hit its highest daily case count ever 603 new infections and ICUs struggling immensely to deal with the load of patients we're just seeing such increased transmission right now increased demand on our healthcare system uh, especially the ICUs um, that we just don't have really any further choice but to uh, uh, issue further uh, restrictions uh, we need to reinforce that message for Manitobans to stay home to not have contacts outside of their household Dr. Rusin's comments came hours after the Premier said there was going to be more restrictions coming, coming, and we all commented earlier that that led to so much speculation that there would be a stay-at-home order, maybe a curfew, maybe campground closures. That's not what's happening here, and Lauren Remiard, President of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, questioned on the news with Richard and Julie whether these changes were going to get this province, this beleaguered hospital system, and the beleaguered business community through this third wave fast enough. I don't know what there is left to be done other than a curfew like fundamentally this just fell short of imposing that curfew that's potentially the next step maybe there's cause to say better to do it now and bring a swift close to the third wave as opposed to prolonging and i would suggest that there are many people asking the question why didn't we go to the top of the list of restrictions a month ago and then work our way backwards and and, and loosen restrictions as things got better instead of the other way around. So many questions right now. I understand we're not in the power to make those decisions, Brett. The Premier will call us Monday morning quarterbacks, or in this case, Friday morning quarterbacks. But, I mean, this is really a situation where we knew this was coming. And so why didn't we do more sooner? I, I think it's impossible not to feel that way. And this is not a stay-at-home order. It's a stop hanging out with anyone outside your home order. Just out from the province this morning. Reminder, only household members at campsites practice social distancing at parks, campgrounds, and cottages as camping season begins, Loren. 
Yeah, so that's something to keep in mind for people this weekend. I know it's cold and rainy and wet, but again, that order and that reminder to, to treat your campsite or whatever, wherever you're going, like it's your home, it's just supposed to be for a few days, which is another part of the equation. It just runs until Wednesday. So we've been here before. This kind of thing is doable, but where we haven't been before is with the struggle in our ICUs. And I don't know if it's clear what the plan is to help those doctors and nurses and the therapists and all the people who are working in those ICUs get through this. We know three patients were shipped to Thunder Bay earlier this week. Yesterday, both Dr. Rusin and Health Minister Heather Stephenson were repeatedly asked, what's the plan beyond just shipping Manitobans out of province? There's difficult decisions uh, that need to be made uh, by, by doctors who are in these positions. And uh, so obviously um, what transpired was not an ideal situation, uh, but we are looking to increase the capacity, um, uh, I believe, this week and, and next week as well. I don't know. I, I, I get it that they're day-to-day moving on things, but it feels like we should have had some sort of capacity plan or know what it is or have that answer to that question better than this, Greg. Yeah, plan for the worst, hope for the best. It feels as though we're doing the exact opposite. Question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Should the province have issued a stay-at-home order for May long weekend? Yes or no? Cast your vote at cjob.com. I was actually thinking about making the, the question, uh, what did you think of Dr. Rusin's collar? And the options would have been groovy, baby. Or what was he thinking? That was... Uh, Quite the leisure. He looked like Leisure Suit Larry. You remember that video game? Anyway, uh, it was a fun caller. One of the things we're going to be talking about today through the day on CJOB is spring cleaning and getting rid of junk. Last week saw the third cancelled curbside giveaway weekend of the pandemic. No garage sales allowed. Children's hospital book sale postponed. So right now, let's have some fun sales and curbside weekends. Have you ever found anything cool at a garage sale? Or have you ever held one and had adventures or misadventures with that? Ever given anything away for the curbside weekends? Or have you ever found anything good in those curbside weekends? Etc. Etc. Tell us a story. 204-780-6868. $20 gift card. Santa Lucia Pizza on the line and we'll give that away at 9.15. So we've got Jeff Forte. Jeff Braun is here. Braun, why don't we start with you, sir? Sure. Um, I, I love, I've really grown to love just throwing stuff out. I, I'm trying to become more minimalist as I get older. And uh, my parents are the opposite. They're, they're not hoarders, <laughs> but they do have a lot of junk and they keep trying to foist it on me. And I keep telling them, look, at you are just going to have to accept the fact that no one wants your stuff. Okay. You can just die with it. That's fine. Don't give it to me. But my dad does this thing where if he sees a golf club at a garage sale, he buys it and gives it to me. And I was cleaning out my outside storage shed last weekend and found two full bags of mismatched <laughs> golf clubs. That I, and, and they're golf clubs, right? So I don't want to, I'm not going to just give them away or throw them away, but I also don't really have a use for them unless uh, I'm, I'm sort of hoping maybe my girlfriend's kids will show an interest in golf and I can maybe put together a little uh, starter golf kit for them uh, for free there. But uh, I've got <laughs> I've got so many golf clubs and I only go golfing once every two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's tremendous. Uh, how old are these clubs, do you figure? 
Uh, I I honestly have well one of them. There's I've got one club left of my dad's old uh, Jack Nicholas Golden Bears set from the Ooh. '70s. But the other ones wow. are newer than that. The other ones are newer Ooh. than that. They're Museum last twenty pieces. years, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, Jeff Forte, what about you? Um, I haven't been to garage sale in forever. But so uh, when I was a kid, you know, like I would always just go to garage sale to look for the the crap I could bring home. And uh, I don't know if my parents would like the stuff I'd bring home. Like, but. Uh, Got one of those adding machines one time. You know, I wanted to play Office when I was a kid, so, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you'd hit the oh buttons and it would have the paper come out. Uh, I came home with uh, like a really, really old stereo and it had really crappy speakers. My dad actually used that in the garage for years. <laughs> wow. But he finally got rid of that. And that's the thing about my dad. He is a Kijiji wizard. He puts so much stuff on Kijiji, which actually kind of scares me because he goes down in the basement, which I have a lot of my stuff down there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always afraid to go home and or back to my parents' place and be like, where's this? Did you give this away? What's going on? <laughs> he's, he's threatened to, he's threatened to uh, sell my drums. I'm like, don't you touch those. <laughs> don't touch those. So, uh, Jeff, I told you you can keep those at my house. No problem. Uh, I'd, I'd rather take the risk. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, uh, Mackling will beat the heck out of them. That's why. What about you, Greg? Well, I was thinking just the other day, uh, we've got a couple of hockey nets at the side of our house that have seen better days, but I was recalling my first hockey net that my brother Kevin and I paid for with our own money. And you can buy a pretty nice hockey net these days for probably 150 bucks. Well, back in 1976, we paid $20 for a used hockey net. We had a small car at the time, a little Volkswagen Rabbit. So we were at a garage sale on Ashburn Street. We lived on Golding Street, which is six blocks away. My brother and I had to carry it home, but it was a great memory. And I was uh, kind of going into my old dad routine with the boys the other day. I said, you should be grateful for the stuff that you have. You know, when <laughs> your uncle and I got our first goalie net, we had to carry it six blocks uphill in a snowstorm. <laughs> they just looked at me like, what's your point? <laughs> sure did snow a lot when you were a kid, Dad, eh? <laughs> yeah, it was always snowing. <laughs> and Loren, what about you? Uh, oh, I can't. I, I personally don't like a garage sale, like in terms of holding my own. Like I've stopped at them along the way to find things, but I don't, I've only ever done one in the 10 years of basically having a house with stuff I wanted to get rid of. And it drives me nuts because people will show up and be like, you stuck on that price and you're like, it's five bucks. Like go away. It's like a brand new, you know, it was like the Santa thing that I got the one of those blow up Santas, mm -hmm. you know, you plug it in and the air comes in and it's probably worth 50 bucks. It's brand new in the box. Somebody gave it to me. We never used it. And I hate the haggling. There's that modern family scene where Jay, yes. this guy comes up with an ashtray or something. He's like, you really want 275 for this? And he's like, yep. Would you go for two fifty? And he's like, "You're wearing a six thousand dollar watch, and you're haggling over fifteen cents. Like, give me a break." So that's kind of how I feel about garage sales. But these days, you can actually give away or get rid of a ton of stuff because because of the way you know bikes are at a premium. I I know so many stories of people who are like, "Check out this bike I got online." We put the kids' bikes up on the curb, posted on the the neighborhood Facebook page, bikes free, and within five minutes, it was like someone. Had, in another house six blocks away was like, start the car, <laughs> car pulls up, guys out shoving bikes into the trunk. I mean, really, because there's no giveaway and because there's no garage sales, the 
you post something online, it's amazing how quick it'll go now. Yeah, the haggling drives me insane, whether it's at a garage sale yeah. over uh, where you're literally nickel and diming or if it's on Kijiji. I can't remember what I was trying to get rid of on Kijiji, but I think I was asking 50 bucks, and this guy said he'd give me 30 And I said, the price is 50 take it or leave it. And he said, uh, well, you, you really don't want to sell this, do you? And I said... Well, how about you? I'll, how's this? I'll offer you now $60. The price has gone up if you want this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, because uh, I, I, I was not prepared to deal with it. Whenever I sell stuff, I actually include it in the, the write-up. I'm not haggling. So if you're not interested in this price, just keep on yeah. walking. Yeah. Uh, and if they, yeah, at a grad sale, I, maybe that's just, is that just a Manitoba thing, Greg, no. this need to haggle? Oh no. oh, no. No, no. no? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I think it's everywhere. Uh, but yeah, I think we like to think that we're really good at it here in Manitoba. Uh, I've been selling stuff on the Facebook marketplace. I sold something in 11 minutes yesterday. Wow. Full price. No questions asked. Yep. It'll be in the driveway. No problem. I'll drop it off to you. They e-transferred me the money. I loaded it into my vehicle. I took it over, put it in the driveway texted them yeah your stuff is there i got your money really nice to meet you thanks <laughs> Do you, for doing business i have a question for our listeners if they put post stuff on the sly like forche being worried about his dad selling the stuff in the basement i wonder if people just post stuff without telling their spouse like my husband yesterday said i got an offer on the car and i was like are we selling the car <laughs> and he'd put it online i was like he's like just curious to see what we can get for it i'm like i think i need to be part of these decisions <laughs> like We're getting some text messages on people trying to get their second shot appointment. Yeah, many people, many of you have been anticipating today's arrival because of the change to vaccination qualifications beginning today. The province announced that earlier this week that May 21st would mark the start of second vaccination dose appointment bookings for those with qualifying health circumstances. We've had several of you text us this morning saying... You've been unable to book these appointments. We've sent a request to share health for an update on this. Listener Bob promised to keep us abreast of his experience. He first said, I'm not getting any luck. I'm going to keep trying. Well, he sent us this update about 15 minutes ago. So I just spoke to someone there. Second doses cannot be booked until 11.45 this morning. The person I spoke to was not sure if the website would accommodate bookings but call in wood. So if you've been trying to book your second vaccine dose and are able to do so before 1145, please let us know. 204-780-6868, the very quickest way to get in touch. So I miss the days when appointment viewing was watching an episode of Friends. Now it's Dr. Brent Rusin, who just after 4 p.m. yesterday said this. Outdoor gatherings uh, with people from outside of your household will no longer be permitted. Um, Manitobans outdoor must limit their contacts to their household only. Uh, this applies to recreation, uh, playgrounds, golf courses, ah! golf courses, ah! golf no! courses. Contact will only be with household members. Harumph. Yeah, Brian Munns is the director of communications for Golf Manitoba. Brian, I think uh, Brett expresses the sentiments of tens of thousands of Manitobans. I think we all enjoyed friends when life was normal, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's a fair comment. Yeah. So what's the reaction yeah, morning, from guys. you at Golf Manitoba, Brian? Sorry to interrupt you, friend. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks for having us again. And 
obviously uh, we're all in this together right now. So when you take a look at what we have to go through and what the province wants us to do here for the next four days, it, uh, you know, from a recreational standpoint, from the way I look at it here right now, it's just trying to help continue to curve uh, the momentum of, of COVID-19 here back into our favor. And, you know, the province of Alberta has been going through this for a little while and they're working through, uh, through the way that uh, we will now for the time being. So, uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I guess the good part about it, maybe weather-wise, is Mother Nature is going to give us some rain here for golf courses and farmers. So uh, maybe when we get into mid next week here, it's uh, it's better for everybody involved, both on and off the course. I like your perspective, Brian, in that you know that there's a greater good argument being made here, and and also the fact that it is going to rain this weekend, so you might be able to moisten up those dry fairways and maybe even uh, get through this in four days but do you think we're gonna is there concern that this might go longer than the four days and that you might be a couple weeks without people from other households being able to golf together yeah no one knows the answer to that as of yet Uh, obviously we've sent a few questions in as of yesterday's uh, announcement as Brett talked about that came down at four o'clock and we'll uh, hopefully get a little bit more clarification here over the next 24 hours from the provincial government but Right now, again, uh, you know, the positive thing is we can still get out and golf if, if weather permits, and you can spend a little bit more time with your family over the May long weekend here. And, and again, on the other side of it, uh, hopefully we're in a better situation. And also we can watch to see what Canadian Corey Connors is doing on uh, the PGA Championship. I just flipped it on TSN here this morning, and uh, it's neat to see that they're showing a lot of the Canadian already on uh, American primetime television. So, Golf is continuing to move forward. We just need to do it in a safe and uh, family-friendly fashion right now. Now, is it safe to say that the majority of golfers are golfing with people from outside their household? Yeah, I think so, Brett. Uh, I know I do. You know, I love when I have an opportunity to take my 10-year-old out there. But I think, uh, you know, the way if you look at a tee sheet and just overall with uh, the way golf has opened up here in 2020, it, it has been that release of, being able to see people that you haven't uh, either in your home or people that you've worked with uh, and you've been remote working and you haven't seen those people on a regular basis either. So, again, it, uh, it's just something right now that we all have to manage and get through and kind of do our part. But uh, as, as we've talked about and we've even seen yesterday with uh, the Ontario government allowing golf and, and other sports to finally come back, it uh, it's something that we all love to do and and we can do it safely so we'll see how this four-day span works and and then find out what the government has in store for us uh, midweek next week so if you live alone are you able to golf with someone else does that that designated individual hold over onto the golf course brian yeah that's one question greg that uh, we haven't heard the official answer from, from the provinces of yet so Hopefully we'll uh, have a little bit more clarification on that here uh, in the near future. But again, it's only four days, so we'll see how it plays out. Brian, given the fact that this four, it is a four-day um, change and that we have this cold weather and rain in the forecast, have you heard from any golf courses that are just saying, you know what, I'll just close for the long weekend and reopen next week? No, everybody's still excited to get golfers on the course. Uh, you know, since we talked last week, we've been able to crunch some numbers with our Golf Manitoba membership and in the last two weeks, back in 2020, so only a year ago, there were 7,200 rounds of golf played. In the last two weeks here of 2021, we've had over 21,000. So golf courses want to keep people on the course. 
uh, as much as they can. And I mentioned earlier on that Alberta's going through this, and Brett, you and I were texting as we set up the interview here last night, that the one thing that uh, the Alberta courses have learned right now is the single rounds, or if you're playing with your family because it's a smaller group overall and it's not just four, that the rounds are going quicker. Like You can play 18 holes in three hours and right around that mark. So courses have been able to get a few more people on the course than uh, maybe what they had originally planned when they went into this lockdown and restriction that uh, we're going into here this weekend. So uh, it's up to each course right now to kind of manage their tee sheet and kind of figure out, I'm sure, when we get to Saturday morning, how they're able to manage it and then move forward to Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Brian Munns, Director of Communications for Golf Manitoba. Thank you very much, sir. Anytime, guys. Have a great weekend. And I, I do know as well, I'll just mention this quickly. I almost forgot to mention this, uh, you guys, but uh, I had a, a tee time booked at a course in uh, St. Pierre Jolie, uh, formerly known as Rat River, now known as Maplewood. And I actually got a vo- had a voicemail yesterday from them because I booked a tee time for Sunday with some friends, and they called me and said, because of the COVID rules, uh, we can't accommodate oh, you wow. this weekend. So it sounds like they are at least uh, going to close up shop. We're asking you to text us at 204-780-6868 about your experiences with garage sales or the curbside giveaway or something along those lines. And Crystal, <laughs> with a great story. Do you have it handy, Loren? I do, yeah. This made me laugh because I was talking at 645 about, well, what when, what about when people get rid of your junk without you knowing that they've done it? So Crystal texted to say, I went to my mom's church charity auction with her. People were bidding on this beautiful glass cake holder with lit. I said to my mom, it looks just like mine, except mine, you turn over and it becomes a punch bowl. One second later, the auctioneer says, and if you turn it over, it becomes a punch bowl. <laughs> I looked at my mom, who would make eye contact with me and realize she had donated my things to be auctioned off for her church. She assumed I wasn't coming to the auction. <laughs> oh, I love that. Mom, Crystal's mom, come on. Oh, boy. We have maybe a very similar or if not the exact same cake plate. It's one of Jackie's most prized possessions. And I'm not even allowed to wash it. Uh, you don't touch that. I'll look after it. Really? There's a matching sugar bowl and butter dish. I'm allowed to touch the sugar bowl. And that's it. And and when so, with white gloves. And this one here went to a yard sale and bought two air conditioners. Both of them worked great, 25 bucks a piece. As I loaded the first one into my car, guy came along and saw the other one still in the seller's yard. I said, sorry, I bought it. He offered me 50 bucks for it. <laughs> so, of course, I took it. So I ended up getting mine for free. Yeah. I really t- ticked off the original seller. And then also the same day I bought an album, uh, Nilsson schmilson factory sealed i knew a poster came with the album i paid 25 cents and sold it online later that day for 40 bucks oh i love yard selling <laughs> see this is a real art for some people like there's a career out there someone should just contract themselves out and say i'm a great online seller you give them their stuff and you then you split the rewards that's, that's the gr- kind of deal i want New restrictions that come into effect at midnight tonight include, Loren, a rule around shopping. Yeah, so Dr. Brent Roosin yesterday reminded everyone that it's really supposed to be essential purchases only. Get in, get out. Uh, not, it's not supposed to be a social event. And if you have to go out and shop, here's the new rule. 
Coming into effect, only one member from a household will be allowed to go in a business, with some exceptions for single parents or people who require a caregiver. Now, some stores have already implemented this just to keep the capacity issues in check, but because this is now a rule, that means stores will not only have to have staff members at the doors counting just how many customers are coming in, but making sure, Greg, that that one-person-only rule is being followed. Jeff Traeger is president of UFCW Local 832, the union representing thousands of these grocery store workers. Uh, Jeff, uh, good morning, and and thanks to all your members who have been working through this pandemic. So grateful for the work that they do. Is this an extra onerous uh, task uh, for your members? Well, we're concerned that it might be. Certainly, we've heard from our members that there are still uh, family shopping together, making it a, a social outing. And um, just like the issue with masks not being enforced properly in the stores, we're really concerned that this is going to be just another measure that workers are going to be left to enforce rather than having management enforce them. So what are you hearing then? uh, You touched on a couple of them, but the kind of challenges that staff are facing right now in the stores. Well, they're facing people that are suffering from COVID burnout. And I would take this opportunity to remind the public to choose to be kind. Um, What we're hearing is that uh, there's a lot of them in there that are frustrated and taking out those frustrations on cashiers when they're at the till. Um, A lot of customers in the store not wearing masks, um, and that's a big concern to us. We actually reached out to Public Health and the Minister of Health on Wednesday with a letter asking them for a meeting to, uh, to discuss this. Uh, the biggest problem is is that you know management is enforcing the uh, 100 people per store uh, because they'll be fined if they don't. Uh, what the public health orders say is that their responsibility is only to remind people that they need to wear a mask, and then once they've done that, they're off the hook. So they're not enforcing it. Uh, we've put out uh, a letter to employers last week, which we shared with the media, and we don't have a response from any of the major retailers on that issue yet. So, Jeff, walk me through this. There's a, someone at most stores I go into now, and they're counting to make sure we're at capacity limits, right? And so, because it's now Correct. 10% in stores. But when it comes, if, if, if someone walks in, they don't have a mask on, the, the staff member is the one that says, reminder, you're supposed to wear a mask. And if that person says no, they just keep walking through the doors. Like, how, how is that happening? That's correct. That's exactly what's happening, exactly what you characterized. We had one of our cashiers count 27 people go through their till on their shift um, without wearing a mask. And uh think it's highly unlikely that all 27 of them, of them had a medical exemption. Uh, and there are other options for people that do have medical exemptions. Uh, you know, there are other options. They can shop online. They can do curbside pickup. They can do home delivery. So we're not saying that, you know, people that can't wear a mask shouldn't be allowed to shop. We're just saying that they shouldn't be in the stores the same way that if you go to an MLCC, you're not going to be able to get in without a mask. We pointed out to employers that, you know, you've all heard the no shirt, no shoes, no service bit, right? So we pointed out to employers that customer walks in not wearing a shirt, they'll be asked to leave. But if they walk in not wearing a mask, they'll be allowed to shop. doesn't seem to make sense to me, especially when we're pulling down 600 uh, new cases a day. I don't know if I've seen 27 people total in a retail establishment in the last 15 months without a mask, Jeff. That is an incredible number. 
Yeah, absolutely, and it is uh, much worse in some uh, some communities. Um, uh, if you look at the superstore uh, in Steinbach and in Winkler, we're getting reports that it's as many as 25% of the people coming through uh, not wearing masks. And I know for the average shopper, when you say, uh, Greg, that you don't, uh, you haven't seen 27, you know, people shopping. Well, you're in the store probably as quickly as you can get in, shop. Get oh, yes, need, yes, yes. Out. Not questioning it at all, Jeff. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I'm just saying for those people that are in there every day, you know, uh, for their shift, um, they're, they're in there the whole day and they see quite a bit of it. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, because I, I know that I've seen uh, in the store where, where I go, as Loren pointed out, there's someone in there who is, uh, you know, cleaning the carts and counting people who are going through. And if somebody walks in without a mask, they're, they're, that staffer actually makes sure that they don't walk in until they put their mask on. I've seen people be turned away, but that's a lot to put on somebody who might just be, you know, a teenager trying to make some money to go to school. Absolutely, and the thing that it puts them in a situation where they are the ones, A, enforcing public health orders, but B, dealing with the the ire of the customers who don't want to wear a mask or who are tired of this. We don't think that's the responsibility of just a regular grocery store employee. We think that's either a management responsibility or perhaps uh, they should be getting police officers like they do in some of the bigger stores or security guards to perform that function. And I would remind all workers that they have the right to refuse unsafe work under Manitoba law. So if they're feeling like their employer is putting them in in a situation that's not safe and not healthy, they can refuse to do that work. So what's the ask of the province then here? You mentioned that you wrote, your union wrote the province. I mean, and you say that the employer or enforcement has to step up. Neither side has responded and, you know, have, have some stores at least added extra security to try and help deal with this? Because it seems to me like there, there should be a simple enough solution of someone just saying you can't come in the store. Yeah, um, and some stores have done that. It's really a little bit of a mixed bag because there are a number of different grocery retailers and they're all handling it in different ways. Some of them uh, go a little bit further than others, and uh, others do the absolute minimum. But the ask that we have from government and public health is simply to say no mask, no entry, no exceptions, um, and also make sure that if someone's shopping in the store not wearing a mask, that it's not just that person that gets fined, but it's the uh, retailer. The retailers are making sure that they're staying under 100, as I said earlier, and they're doing that because public health orders say they can be fined if they don't. Um, what we need is we need the same policy for masks. It's not strong enough to say, hey, just remind them. It's stronger to say to employers, you'll be fined if you allow people to shop in your store without masks, and then you will see some real change. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We very much appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Jeff Traeger is president of UFCW Local 832. That's the union representing thousands of grocery store workers in our province. Yeah, that 27 number, Loren, that, to, see, to count that many people in one shift... And, you know, it's not happening everywhere. He pointed out that in places like Steinbeck and Winkler that their staff believe that as many as 25% of the customers coming in aren't wearing masks. We know that has been an issue more in some parts of the province versus the other. And, yeah, it's hard to believe because the person not wearing the masks now stands out. And so to hear that kind of data... um, it's alarming to me, and I feel for staff. I, I I said to you guys earlier, you know, even with with enforcement, it's so hard to get to get people to do the right thing. And now you're asking a, a grocery store clerk to do that. So we'll have more on this throughout the day, Brett.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us today on The Start, and thank you for all of your amazing text messages about garage sales, about experiences with the curbside giveaway weekend. They have been sensational. James with a great one. James says, I hate garage sales, but my wife and mother-in-law would insist on having them. The thing that drove me crazy was the early birds. You post signs clearly stating the start time, and inevitably there are always a couple of people who show up an hour early. The best one was one time at the lake. We were going to open up at 9 a.m. I'm out there at 7, haven't even had my first coffee yet. I'm setting up tables and sorting through stuff. The lady pulls up at 7.15, walks up to, and looks at the tables with only three or four items on them at the time and scowls. You sure don't have much stuff? I can't even remember my replies. I was so shocked by her statement, but I'm sure it wasn't very nice. <laughs> so thank you for that, James. That's what I'm saying. I said that at 6.45. I don't like the haggling. I don't like the attitudes. I just, I'm out. So thank you for joining us in these conversations and texting us and having some fun with us. And I think it's important that we have find a way to have fun because... You know, the emotional roller coaster that is wave three continues to get more and more confusing, especially after yesterday's new restrictions were announced that take effect at midnight tonight. So we turn to our friend, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, psychologist with Clinic Psychology Manitoba, for some guidance. Raymond, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So, you know, you're a psychologist. It's up to you. Know, you, you help people with emotional stuff but what about you how are you doing with all this <laughs> yeah it, it it's um it it certainly is a burden to bear you know uh i i think that human beings myself included really rely on social support as a means of positive mental health but you know you slowly kind of peel that away and it starts to starts to wear on people raymond how important is it that we uh find time to laugh i think uh, i love the way uh, Brett prefaced and introduced you, you know, in these difficult times and and going into this long weekend, so many of us looking forward to it. But at the same time, I use the word dread at the beginning yeah. of the program. How, how important is it to, to find times to laugh? And do we have to feel guilty when we're having a good time right now? No, absolutely not. And I think people who work difficult jobs, you'll have to find they develop a unique or strange sense of humor. Because the, the way to cope it is is by having a sense of humor. So we've got these difficult times. Learning to laugh about it can be one of the best ways to cope. Uh, the challenge, I think, though, is that, you know, you know, as much as these restrictions are necessary, we have to understand that they actually wear away, wear away at people's ability to actually apply them. You know, eventually there's no, you know, that, that light at the end of the tunnel seems to be getting smaller. We, every time we think we have it, it kind of pulls back. And so that produces something called intermittent reinforcement, where we're not consistently reinforced for doing the good thing. And uh, that actually reduces uh, people's ability to stick to uh, a health order, a recommendation. And so, you know, I think as as, as citizens, we can all do the right thing. I think we need to be looking to our leaders, I think, to be able to do the right thing to make sure that we're seeing a more positive outcome. And there's a lot of things that could be done. But unfortunately, you know, you'll hear me belabor the point that psychology or the mental health of, of people is not often stuck to when we're looking at these public health recommendations. Yeah, and it's it's hard. I think, you know, we were talking and we've said this several times over the past year and a half or so 
about the roller coaster of it all, you know, just when you think you feel like you're seeing the light and then the shade gets pulled down again and then the sun peeks through yeah. again and the shade comes down. And, you know, even just as adults, we're trying to navigate that. And then, and then I think of our kids about the information I no longer want to tell them because it's, it's too much, you know, to yesterday I said to my husband, we're not talking to the kids about whatever this four o'clock is until we know for sure what this four o'clock is because I was thinking schools or campgrounds or, you know, whatever it was. Oh yeah. And I thought it's too, they've had this happen too many times where mom has said, well, maybe, or I don't know what's going to happen or, you know, maybe next week. Yeah. Like it's just a lot. It is a lot. It wears away at people. It's absolutely necessary. I, I'm, I mean, I understand these are necessary. Mm-hmm. We have to do the right thing, but, but, you know, we can't not talk about the elephant in the room. And if we're not going to talk about the impact it's having on us, and sense of humor doesn't always work. Uh, sense of humor can be really helpful, but that means we do have to talk about the impact that it's having. And sometimes that means complaining. You know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that as well, too. Doctor, well, I think, sorry, I go ahead, just, sorry, Brad, I just wanted to jump in there because when it comes to the complaining, then I think I've heard this from a friend the other day that they feel such guilt when they complain because the, because the perspective is the situation in our hospitals right now and the people who are losing their lives and the nurses and doctors and therapists who worked off their feet and the, the yeah. pain that you feel for them. And so then you don't want to be the complainer because you know, you know that there's this caveat that it could be so much worse. Your pain is like, you can't compare pain, right? Like just because you have pain or somebody else has worse pain doesn't mean yours is, is less worthwhile. Uh, and I think that strategy of, you know, trying to remind yourself that it's worse out there it can work for a little while. But and nobody's saying that by you acknowledging your pain, you're minimizing the pain of somebody else. You're simply talking about the pain that you have. Um, I, we, we go through these ways of trying to shut down our emotions. And I don't think that's really going to be helpful in the long run. We got to talk about things, talk about them, laugh about them, complain about them. And in that process, we actually come up with really good strategies of ways to cope. You know, we think about, oh, yeah, what about this? What about this? But if we're if we're going to be all tight-lipped about it and approach this from a Ned Flanders perspective, that doesn't work. It doesn't. <laughs> Our guest is Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman. He is a psychologist. And on the subject of, so we've, we've covered guilt, but what about empathy? Because, you know, all through this pandemic, so many of us, so many people have been reminding us to be kind and to show empathy. But at this point, what if you just don't have the energy for that anymore? Yeah. What can you do to, to find some new energy? Well, I, I think being able to talk to people and their experiences is really helpful. Um, but, but even then, like, I, you know, it's hard to... To, to bear the burden of empathy for other people. It's not an easy thing. You know, healthcare providers, uh, mental health care providers, I mean, it wears on them. I can tell you, like, they, we're inundated on our end with calls for service, and uh, I feel, like, incredibly guilty on a regular basis because I can't meet the need. I just don't have the space. I don't know where to put people. And that guilt can wear away at that empathy. But, you know... Uh, I think, again, if we acknowledge that we're tired and have a release for that, it can create a bit of space to bring some of the empathy back. I I think we expect ourselves to be, you know, superheroes when it comes to the emotions of all this, to be able to cope with all this. And I think there's an element of recognizing our humanity and, and the weight of all of this on us that can allow us to free up some emotional space to be able to then actually be more empathic. But if we're, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. 
if you're not taking care of yourself first and recognizing your own feelings, what are you going to offer to other people? You can't offer that empathy unless you're taking care of yourself first. Can't pour from an empty cup. I'm writing that one right right now. I'm writing it down, Raymond. Uh, before we let you go here, maybe some strategies, some advice, one strategy that we might be able to implement. Say we find ourselves in a situation like you just outlined. I can't meet the need. There's so many asks. How do you get within yourself, take a deep breath and go, okay, there's only so much that I can do and that's going to have to be enough. How do we get to that, get from the point you outlined to that point where we're comfortable with the amount that we're able to give? Well, I think it's about having a mindful approach to this. I think if we take this blanket approach of always doing this or not doing that, you know, this, this black or white approach, I think we can really get stuck and we have to realize that life is in the gray. And the way we navigate the gray is by always checking in with ourselves or where we're at. And I say to people, you know, like if you, you're going to check in to see what energy you have and you do something slightly above that. You don't go way above that. You go slightly above that. And that helps you build that energy to get to where you need to be. But part of being mindful is also recognizing where you're at and giving yourself room for some of those things. Um, I, I think that there are some healthy guilty pleasures that we can engage in that can be helpful there are some guilty pleasures that aren't so helpful that are not going to help us through this. And many of us will turn to substances, not a healthy, uh, you know, uh, or not a healthy guilty pleasure, but that will, that will hurt us and our ability to cope. Um, not that I'm the perfect example, but my guilty pleasure is the golden girls. Right. So like I just give in <laughs> and I, I, it's not something that's the best to watch all day, but I give in and I know it's a healthy thing, but I do that and it gives me a bit of space and it allows that. So, each and every single one of us will have our own thing. Look for a healthy, guilty pleasure uh, that can allow you to just unwind and cope. And sometimes it's about not thinking, and there's nothing wrong with that for a little while. So, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, psychologist, clinic psychology, Manitoba, thank you very much for joining us uh, for this morning. Me, very important insights, sir. And you know what? Can I say one more thing? Thank you guys for being able to talk about these issues because I think that's a key strategy is to have leaders in our media to be able to talk about these issues so that, you know, the rest of us can kind of follow that example. So thank you. Well, thank you for saying that, Raymond. We very much appreciate that. And we appreciate everything you do for us and for the community. And if you have something to say about what Raymond just said, shoot us a text, 204-780-6868. The Golden Girls. The Golden Girls. Shoot us a text about your guilty show. I, I I have not given that one a shot yet. I mean, obviously since the days it was actually on. So I'm I'm already looking at my uh, which which what which app do I get that on? Amazon Prime, baby. Got it. On it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep you guys you guys are gonna get some random quotes for me later today. Okay. Golden girl quotes. Hey, we gotta look there's a hockey game tonight. Woo. Review next with Kelly Moore right after traffic and weather next on the start. Thank you for being afraid. Text messages on garage sales, curbside giveaway experiences, $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza on the line. Greg, a couple of quick ones here from Chris and Chesney. I like it. I bought a 1984 Pontiac Grand Prix from a yard sale for $300. Took it home, cleaned it up, put a battery in it, got it running, and sold it for $3,500. I can't do the math, but that's a considerable profit margin. Well done, Chris. And Chesney says... I got 110 messages in seven hours when I put my bike up for sale on Facebook. 
Got asking price, no haggling. Second message, bought it. It was crazy. Yeah, and you had some experience with Facebook and Lorenda. You were talking about bikes. Uh, like I guess they're because they're. It's hard to get a bike these days mm-hmm. in store, right? So yeah, and if you can repair an old bike, like if you've got any skills in that front, we put some old bikes up on the Facebook page saying "for free at this address," and like they were gone. Cars stopping and. Yeah. Okay. So this next text we read earlier from Crystal, but we loved it. She texted to say, I went to my mom's church charity auction with her. People were bidding on this beautiful glass cake holder with lid. I said to my mom that it looks just like mine, except mine you turn over and it becomes a punch bowl. Well, one second later, the auctioneer says, hey, and if you turn it over, it becomes a punch bowl. I looked at my mom who wouldn't make eye contact with me and realized she had donated my things to be auctioned off for her church. She assumed I wasn't coming to the auction. Crystal, we had a great laugh over that one. (laughs) Big Al is our winner. He weighed in after we talked about haggling and how we hate it. Big Al says the haggling. I was at a sale once and there was a customer rudely and aggressively haggling on an item that was already 20% off its value. Not that I'm a spiteful human, but, well, I am. I fairly impolitely, impolitely told said customer to make up her mind. Now she was chirping at me. That wasn't going to fly. So I looked at the man and offered double his original price. Well, she grabbed that item, literally screaming and clutching it like she was protecting her firstborn from mortar rounds. (laughs) Seller, being a gentleman, settled with her, and she won the item I didn't want. She ran away the victor, fine by me. The seller then offered me anything I wanted at no charge. Sadly, I had to decline as I now, with no spite, I will remind you, was in a rush because I decided to stop into the next three sales she stopped at in the vicinity, and I grabbed at every item she showed any interest in. So, yeah, not a fan of the haggle. And a small follow-up, same day, different sale, different person. I watched a woman try to haggle the owner on a pair of shoes based on the fact they did not fit her. Why do you want them? Come on. People. That's so insane. Big Al, thank you. Thank you for that story. I love his commitment to tracking her down. (laughs) I know. It's so spiteful. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb with you on this Friday morning, heading into a long weekend. And I know we've had a little bit of fun this morning, Loren. We've also, of course, had to tackle some serious issues like COVID-19 and what's going on. But we want to wind up our weekend with a little bit of fun and a little reminiscing. You okay with that? Let's do it. Okay, I quickly first want to go back to what we were discussing all morning with regard to giveaway weekend and garage sales. Valerie sent us an email. It came in after we gave away the prize, but I promised I would read this because it's just so good. When the giveaway weekend had just started, my nosy neighbor gave away our camper. We always had the camper sitting in the corner of our front yard. While we were out of town that weekend, someone drove up and asked if we were giving it away. And she said, yes because she didn't like it there. Luckily, when we got home the next day, the people had left a note in our mailbox with their phone number to get the paperwork so they could register the trailer. I couldn't believe the nerve of my neighbors and was so embarrassed and upset to have to call the people and tell them our neighbors didn't have the authority to give it away. They weren't (laughs) happy as they spent all weekend cleaning it and didn't want to bring it back. 
so I had to threaten nicely that I'd hate to have to bring the police into things. So they brought it back unhappily, and we had a very uncomfortable relationship with our neighbors until they moved just recently. Now that's a story and a half. Oh, wow. I love it. I, you know, I can't believe the lengths that people are. I'm actually kind of uh, gobsmacked. Is that the right word for that? Yeah, I think that's the right word. Maybe we can talk about uh, interesting neighbor relationships next week. There you go. That's, that's a dangerous one, though. Yeah, I think it might be fun. Hey, so as we head into this May long weekend, <laughs> I would suggest it's a May long unlike any other. We wanted to wind up the show, as I said, with some fond memories back to the days when the Winnipeg Arena and Winnipeg Stadium were home to the Jets and Bombers, Loren. Yeah, those two buildings have been replaced, but I think it's safe to say the memories created within their confines can never be duplicated. And we want to ask this morning, how many of you in our audience remember this moment from 1990? We have discussed this game a few times over the past week. While Rootsalainen made a game-saving play on Dale Howarchuk, preventing him from getting a pass across to Dave McElwain on a two-on-one. And he may have saved the game there in the second overtime period by hauling down Thomas Dean. The Jets so far tonight have not clicked on the power play. They're 0 for 7. Would you have called a penalty shot? Steen almost had a breakaway. Alec Benson, go score! Goosebumps to this day. That, of course, is the double overtime winning goal scored by Dave Ellett game for the 1990 Smythe Division semifinal. We all know what what happened after that. Some of us may still have a good sports cry after reliving that moment in history and what followed. And then there is this. Bob Irving said the stadium, the stadium shook in the aftermath of this. Kevin Glenn in shotgun from the 42. Back to pass, down the middle. Stiegel wide open. This could be it. 35-30. There's your record-breaking touchdown. Milt Stiegel in a class of his own. That is his 118th touchdown reception. And that breaks the record he shared with Alan Pitts. He is now in a league all by himself. Winnipeg Stadium and Winnipeg Arena were separated by Maroons Road. Not an homage to the Daniel McIntyre Maroons, as I always like to believe, Loren. Maroons Road was home to some incredible events, sports, and concerts in particular. Okay, so our next guests have created a company to really celebrate and honor those memories we just highlighted. And so we want to say good morning to the founders of Maroons Road Apparel. Sid Brockman, good morning. Hi, good morning. And... and, and Heather is with you too. My uh, arms here and the hair is standing up after hearing those two clips. <laughs> and Heather, and you're here with apologize. us as well. Hi, yeah, I'm here too. Thanks for having us. Sorry, I'm cutting in here because I, I, there's a typo there. It's Barkman is the last name. Ah. Sid and Heather, please accept my apologies. Well, that's okay. That we figured can, it. We could do this no again. We'll, Sid, we'll get into your memories of, of that moment we just played in a second. But Heather, how much time did you spend in either or, or maybe both the stadium and Winnipeg Arena? Yeah, you know, I wasn't uh, a Jets fan growing up. Unlike Sid, I hate to say, I was just sort of oblivious to the hockey world. But we spent a lot of time going to Bomber games at the stadium uh, as kids with our parents and um, have a lot of memories of sort of seeing that big structure and, and sort of imagining what was inside before we actually got to go inside. 
Great, uh, great painting of the picture. Sid, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. And I'm looking at two t-shirts right now, stadium and arena. Neither building was a work of art, architecturally speaking. At the same time, they were both distinctive in their form. Both buildings are immediately recognizable. Tell us about getting this company and idea started. Well, I've I've long thought that uh, T-shirts are a great way to express yourself, celebrate things that you love, you know, whether it's your team, your favorite uh, rock band, whatever it might be. And so for a long time, I thought, would it be cool to have shirts that celebrate Winnipeg? And, and now that these two buildings are gone, uh, more and more I thought it would be great to put them on a shirt. And so like you say, you see these images, um, and right away, they just bring back memories. I mean, you, you look at the stadium, which, yeah, not a not a work of art. Not a, I'm not going to try to tell anybody that the sight lines there or that the bathrooms or anything like that were superior to IG Field. Um, but but you see it and you just think, wow, that, that, that was a place where stuff like what you played with Stiegel scoring all those touchdowns uh, happened. I mean, I remember uh, those long climbs up the ramp uh, to get to the to the upper deck walking down was a little bit quicker uh, especially after we won a big game and <laughs> and same with the arena you get you get those feelings too i mean i i have these memories of going to those hockey games at that arena with my uh, dad dad as a kid and um it it just i close my eyes and i can immediately think of team Mussolini scoring goals or uh, or or all these other great memories celebrating winnipeg history and our uniqueness Heather is really in vogue these days. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I mean, I think that we sometimes have lost sight of uh, how great Winnipeg is, how unique we are. Um, our culture is uh, is different than anywhere else, and I I think that as uh, as people are kind of looking back on their lives, and you know, especially the last. Uh, year plus we've done a lot of that thinking back on um when we could gather when we we could uh could have these experiences how special it was and and these places were and it's not to say that the new places aren't special and that you're not gathering there too and we look forward to going back to Dell mts place to watch the jets play but um those memories i i think become really important to people um, especially when when they kind of are, are taken away as, as they unfortunately have been here in the last year. Yeah, and for us too, really, we uh, lived in Ottawa for five years, and I don't think we really fully appreciate Winnipeg until we came back and sort of remembered and saw all of the things and, and ha- realized how unique Winnipeg was. And even having the stadium and the arena no longer there on Maroons Road, um, you sort of miss it once it's gone. That's very true. I think it's right. You drive by and you, it still stands out that it's not there in part because it's such a wide, uh, empty parking lot space right now for, for mo- much of it, Heather. I'm curious mm-hmm. what the reaction's been to this because there's part of me that would think, okay, you'd be hitting a certain age demographic, but we also know increasingly younger and younger that retro stuff that comes back. And so you don't even have to be somebody who even walked through those arena doors or stadium doors to sort of feel the connection. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. The reaction has been, we've been pretty overwhelmed. We only really launched uh, about 10 days ago. And so we sort of thought, eh, maybe our friends and family will buy a couple. And if if they buy it, then that's great. And we'll just have a lot of cool shirts for ourselves for the next decade. But um, really, the reaction has been really overwhelming. We've had orders from all across Canada from former Winnipeggers who've seen it and, and sort of immediately had that reaction. 
And, uh, you know, we've had people sharing their memories and we've had conversations with friends in the last week or so via text that, like, we haven't uh, talked about those memories in a long time with each other. So on a personal level, it's been really great to feel that sense of community, even though we're still in this isolated um, period. But also, I think you're right, that retro feel and that minimalist style is what we were hoping to achieve and um, it does appeal to people who, yeah, maybe never even really saw a game at the, at the old stadium, but who D- like the style and really still as Winnipeggers, you can see it and you know what it is. We're not expecting people who don't live in Winnipeg or Manitoba to look at the outline of the stadium and recognize it. But the people who live here know, and that's really what we're what we're hoping for. Oh, my heart is just glowing right now. This is fantastic stuff, and the and and the basis for it, and where you're coming from, uh, Sid, Heather. This is so fantastic. Now, at at the uh, risk of uh, getting the uh, stink eye from across the province uh, from Loren McNabb, there were two other distinctive looking buildings on Maroons Road back in the day. One was Fingers, a place for ribs. The other was Kiki's. No, Mexican restaurante, you you could actually add a, a fingers and a chi cheese uh, t shirt to this lineup, and I think they might sell almost as well as the stadium and arena ones. I'm just saying, you you might be right. You know, I a friend of mine sent me a picture of uh, the Red River X uh, outside of the stadium. Ooh. Another great memory so many of us have, and it had chi cheese in the background. And I I said, how great would it be to be able to go? have some chi-chis and then uh and then hop on one of the rides that sounds like uh you know maybe the stomach wouldn't feel feel tip top but that would be a pretty great for disaster (laughs) (laughs) well sid and heather barkman maroons road apparel thank you very much for joining us this morning we really appreciate this this is this is cool stuff okay thanks a lot for having us and go jets go thank you Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.